When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 165 and happy Halloween. Hope you're able to do some trick or treating or dress up in a fun costume or party your ass off, whatever it is that (laughs) makes you happy. Um, It's definitely been spooky season on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This week, it just so much has been going on. Dorit's home was burglarized. She was held at gunpoint. I mean, this is the stuff of nightmares. She wakes up and these masked men were at the foot of her bed with a gun to her face. I mean, how horrifying. And then Yolanda Hadid, her name is in the press again. Zayn, Gigi's partner, allegedly shoved her during an argument. Oh my goodness. Uh, horrible stuff. I just like, what is going on in Beverly Hills? And apparently they've already started filming for the next season. And we haven't even finished watching the reunion yet. So I don't know if that's ever happened. Someone check me on this. Has any Housewives franchise ever started filming before the reunion was finished airing? I'm interested to know. This week, my guest is Elisa Rosen, who is just so incredible. She's a veteran producer, development exec, director. She's the founder and president of AYR Media. She's fantastic. Um, we chat all things Housewives, all franchises, plus Winter House, but she doesn't watch Vanderpump Rules. So I just wanted to share a few quick thoughts on this week's Vanderpump Rules, just because I thought it was pretty monumental. I mean, first of all, my heart goes out to Tom and Katie. I believe they are so brave for sharing their reproductive health journey on TV with us, especially sharing that they had an abortion earlier on in their relationship. You know, given what's going on in this current climate and the amount of hate that these people receive simply by being on a Bravo show, what they've opened themselves up to, um, but simply just to to share that this is something that happens in people's lives and there is nothing to be ashamed of. Anyway, um, all of the fertility test stuff was like a little triggering to watch for me, but I thought it was great that they showed it. There's definitely, for those of you who've been through this process, you know there's some stuff they like didn't get into, such as, you know, the FSH, AMH, all that jazz. But I'm sure, given what we saw of Katie, things are going all right, and it sounds like 
Tom may just need to not smoke so much pot, drink, and take extremely hot baths. (laughs) Honestly, though, I had no idea that taking baths was not a good thing to do if you're a man that is trying to get someone pregnant. I just, I'd never heard that before. Had any of you? I, yeah, anyway. But the big kind of explosive part of the episode was us finding out that Brock's ex accused him of domestic violence, I believe had a restraining order against him. And because he didn't pay child support for a period of time, that was why he didn't have access to his kids. So he told all of this to Lala off camera, and it came up on camera when Lala, Sheena, the other girls were at Lisa Vanderpump's for tea. And it was this really unusual scene in which Brock came up and Lala mentioned that he hadn't seen his kids in four years. And Sheena's like, but why? And Lala kind of looks at her like, Sheena, you know, are you, can I say this? Am I, are we going to go there? And she just then says it. Lala says it on camera. And maybe I'm naive, but I don't know if Lala would have gone there and said it if Sheena wasn't kind of looking at her like, well, what? You know, did you tell you why? I don't know. And maybe that's crazy of me. I also wonder if Sheena was thinking that Lala would bring up the child support issue and not the domestic violence issue. But regardless of all of it, it is definitely a concerning situation. I mean, I'm glad that Brock was upfront about all of this with Sheena, but that is like to be expected when you're in a relationship with somebody. They share their past with you. Like this isn't indication that he has moved forward, that he has gotten anger management, any of that. And then Sheena kind of dismisses the whole thing. Like, oh, you know, this domestic violence thing, she lied about it. I mean, that's not a good look to accuse someone of lying of that, especially if they were able to get a restraining order, which you have to have some sort of proof or fear for your safety. And then if there are legal means, like if a court steps in and prevents him from seeing his children, that is also sort of a different situation than what I thought we were dealing with, all of which is very serious. And so I guess we shouldn't be shocked since Sheena seems to blow past very serious things with relative ease. I mean, her husband, Mike Shea, had a serious addiction issue and she was not quite grasping it, I think, at least to us on camera from what we saw. And I feel like with this, I don't know if she's, if she, I don't know, I'm worried. I'm definitely worried for her. I don't know if Lala is worried for her, or if Lala is just pushing forward a storyline. But you know, the irony is not lost on any of us that Lala is now in, you know, a not a great spot with Rand. It sounds like she called off the engagement. They are no longer together. And Randall, apparently has had issues paying child support as well. Randall's child support is apparently $50,000 a month, and he's supposed to keep a minimum of 50000 in a specific account that's used for his kids. And he has had difficulty doing that lately because he owes a lot of debt. 
which we all kind of knew. He, you know, gambles a lot. He, we all saw what happened with Fofty. So none of this is, is shocking to me, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out with the reunion if Lala and Rand are no longer together and Sheena and Brock are. But regardless of all of that, I am definitely concerned for Sheena. And it's, it's not a good look to dismiss someone's, you know, allegations of domestic assault. If not for anything other than women who have experienced domestic violence watching the show and watching Sheena be so dismissive of another woman's allegations. So maybe we'll learn more as the season goes on, but it's making me kind of nervous. All right, guys, I've got a great episode for you today with Aliza Rosen. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to rate it five stars and leave a nice review. And be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to take a quick break and then I will be back with Aliza. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am here with Elisa Rosen, who is a veteran producer, development executive, and director. She's the founder and president of AYR Media, which is a production company focused on unscripted and documentary content, including podcasts, television, and film. How are you doing, Elisa? I'm so good, Mandy. Thank you for having me again. I'm so happy to be here. I always love chatting with you. I know. And I'm so excited to get your thoughts on everything Bravo. But before we get to that, I know that you have been working on this new podcast that's coming out this week, The Queen of the Con, The Irish Heiress. Tell me, like, what's that about? Yes. So it's been out actually for um, six weeks today. Well, five weeks. Today is the sixth episode. Yeah, it drops every we're recording on a Thursday. So, um, So the sixth episode came out today which is my personal favorite. It's It's been kind of a hit out of the gate, which I'm really excited about, but obviously would love for everyone to hear it. Um, it's a, a crazy story. Um, you know, usually we're kind of used to mostly sort of like the male con artists, like the Dirty Johns. So this one intrigued me because it's a very crafty female con artist named Marianne Smith, who basically conned, as far as we know, almost 50 victims around the world, um, in many different ways. She's sort of like a very creative con artist. So usually they sort of play from the same playbook. She's extremely creative. She's a psychic. She was a caterer. She was a psychiatrist, psychiatrist. She's, I mean, you name it, a mortgage broker. She she's done the job, travel agent. <laughs> so my producer and narrator, Jonathan Walton, she befriended him. They became best friends about six years ago. They were living in the same complex in uh, an apartment complex in downtown LA. And, you know, like every good car artist, she groomed him, love bombed him. And before you know it, he's loaning her almost $80,000 to help her what? with what he thought was, you know, of course, a very screwed up, chaotic, nonsensical thing that 
he quickly figured out was a total con, but had no reason to suspect that. I mean, she was so good. Um, and she is so good. You know, she continues to be out there. I won't kind of tell you how the crazy ride unfolds, but um, we have just incredible stories. People just call it like this wild ride. It's very sort of like catch me if you can caper esque. Um, there's like real victims and there is a lot of sadness and really dark stuff, but I think we kind of try to keep it light. I do a lot of true crime. It tends to be very dark, very depressing. We didn't want this to feel like that because it is kind of fun. Like if you take away the victims and you take away the soul robbing and money robbing, actually there's a lot of levity and humor to it. So we tried to lean into that as much as we could to kind of keep it um, not just not so dark and serious. So I highly recommend, I think there's a big crossover between sort of the housewives aficionados and true crime and these kind of stories. So I think your listeners will really like it. It's queen of the con and it's you, there are six episodes out now, maybe, maybe more by the time this drops, um, you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for letting me know. I'm actually going to start listening to it. I thought it was coming out this week. I I'm not as into true crime as some of the people, mainly because of the darkness around it. Right. But, you know, something that has a little more levity is is probably more my style. That, that's a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from people texting me just going, oh, finally, like a true crime story I can listen to without wanting to shoot myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... In preparing or in being part of this podcast, you've probably learned a lot about con artists and female con artists. Which housewife do you think, current or former, do you think is the biggest queen of the con? Ooh, I mean, allegedly, as I as I now quote Erica <laughs> Jane, I think it's got to be Jen Shaw, right? I mean, if everything that she's being accused of is true. I, she's the ma- She's a mastermind. And now looking at her through that lens, I see so many of the traits. She's very charming when she's not flying off the handle, all dysregulated. She's actually kind of winning. And that's sort of a hallmark trait. You know, she's good at sucking people in. She's good at finding that thing that she can connect to and bringing you in. I mean, Heather is a perfect example. She's like, I, I can't, she's like addicted to her. She can't quit her. And that's very emblematic of a good con artist, which is that they suck you in. They're such narcissists, but they make you feel like you're the best. The only person, remember she took her on the chopping day where she didn't end up paying for anything, but (laughs) you know, I think that's like the perfect perfect example. example. Yeah, exactly. And she conned her into thinking she was going to pay for stuff. So anyway, uh, that's, I guess from now, that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? I I think the same. So what I heard last week is that Jen Shaw allegedly also got her assistant Stuart to show up on camera and that Stuart's wife didn't even know that Stuart. Stuart I'm sorry, Stuart. Uh, uh, we need to stop there, Mandy. I'm sorry. Stuart has a wife. Yes. Oh, you didn't know this. Stu Chains. <laughs> I remember when I Stu found that out. Chains <laughs> has a woman wife. Yes, a woman wife, and Duh. actually owns his home. Whereas Jen Shaw, I don't know if she actually owned any property in her name. I remember doing a deep dive in early April when kind of some of the documents were starting to come out from SDNY. So Stuart is married to a woman and has a family. And Stuart's wife apparently didn't know this is before everything came out with the, 
you know, felony charges, that he was on a reality show. And apparently he went on the show and then people started texting her like, your husband's on TV. And she didn't know it. And she didn't know. The wife had no idea he was being No idea. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That's awesome. I I have not heard that. I mean, this is all shocking and new information. So this came up on a bitch (laughs) sesh live event where they have boots on the ground. Yes, of course. And it was someone in Salt Lake City who had a cousin who worked with the wife oh and that God. she thought he was a real estate <laughs> broker. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, so she didn't even know his actual career. Correct. This insane. This is insane. <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably not all he's hiding, but great. Well, and then that comes out. I think when he gets arrested, clearly she has no idea. And I think right. they, they were able to figure a lot of that out, but I cannot imagine what it must be like to be married to someone and then think you know them and not. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, I don't know what's going on with that really. You know, I'm, I'm just shocked that he has a wife. So let's start there. You know, <laughs> I, and know I, I think there's a lot going on there that's confusing, but you listen. So to answer your question, I think Jen Shaw allegedly is queen of the con for now. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> well, let's let's jump into <laughs> Salt Lake City. Please. So, speaking of legal stuff, in this episode, I thought it was so interesting. Jenny's husband, Dewey, tries Ugh. to claim that polygamy is no longer illegal in Utah, which is actually incorrect. Um, it's just moved to a misdemeanor instead of a felony. <laughs> <laughs> so you just get a fine as someone who oh knows God. a lot about production, right? Oh what do you think is happening behind the scenes with these two? Do you think maybe they agreed to talk about wanting another child on camera and then it just took a left turn? Like, where are you at with this? It's a great question. I want to believe he's not as much of a monster as is being portrayed because he's literally the worst. Like if everything, if he's saying that for the cameras to create a storyline, which is also really weird. So that kind of makes him a monster anyway, but let's just say that she sort of suggested it or it was like, okay, it's cool. Like this will be provocative. Let's do it. I think that's really weird, but okay. Like you're not that awful. You're just trying to play. You don't know what you're doing. You're trying to play the game, your first season house couple or whatever. If it's real and this is something that did start as conversation, you know, that is grounded in reality and he really thinks this, the sister wife thinks stupid. To me, it's more just the pressuring of her to have another kid after what her body has been through, three incredible children. Like, what the fuck? Oh, I can curse, right? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll say it again. What the fuck, Dewey? Right? Like, you, I, I really, I'm sickened by it. Like, real, truly sickened by it. And why I got to think she's going on the show as a lily pad to divorce him. If she's not, I'm really worried about Jenny because that's a very strange, toxic man. He seems a little bit of con man, like to me, not, not, not like a Jen Shaw style, but (laughs) he seems to be trying to come off as things that he is not right. Like how else? Uh, Like a physician, He's not a physician. Hmm. He said, as he's a, a chiropractor. Exactly. And he's calling is, himself a physician. <laughs> yeah. He said, as a physician. Oh, and it's like, stop. Yeah. That, that I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God. He's going to wear scrubs like Dirty John. I can't. <laughs> I can't. 
you know? Yeah, and, that and then, tracks. Okay, that and tracks. And if he really, and he seems like he's the kind of chiropractor that like tries to go beyond what he actually <laughs> knows, like talking about, you know, <laughs> like OBGYN. You know, like, I want to deliver this baby too. I don't even think I would trust someone who is like a different kind of doctor about something OBGYN related. Like, 100%. They, don't, they don't know. Well, it's just that. like the lawyers, like my husband's a class action lawyer and people are like, hey, so this happened, like something, you know, he's like, I don't know. And like, I can refer you to a divorce lawyer or to, a you know, right. this type of whatever, a real estate, like we get lawyers for things that we need, you know, he knows what he knows. So it's the same thing with doctors. I mean, they have general knowledge, but they don't use, you go into specialties. That's why it takes a million years to go to med school. And and you're in fellowship and fellowship. Exactly. Residency. I've seen Grey's Anatomy. I know what it entails. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was really grateful that Jenny asked Dewey to seek professional therapy to work through his grief, but, and I'm glad he didn't outright say no, but. Man. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I did forget about that. That you can't help but feel, you know what I mean? Like that was sort of the flip side of this, which is like, makes me think maybe he's not a monster because that seemed really authentic. Did it seem real to you too? It did. It's kind of how yeah. I think most people would take that yeah. suggestion. Most people get defensive. Nothing's wrong with me. I just feel like there's an emptiness and a void in my life that could be filled with a child, right? So he's like, nothing's wrong with me except for this thing that's wrong with me and that's eating yeah. me up and that is yeah. hurting my marriage. So I I hope that throughout all this, they actually are able and he is able to process his trauma. You know, we're seeing a lot of unprocessed trauma on these shows, Big time, which which really gives it these layers that are. So, I mean, that's why I, everyone says we're a peak housewives because I think it's delivering on like the you know the vintage housewives, like the stupid shit on the luxury, but also like adding this layer of depth, which I think Salt Lake actually does really well. But one thing I want to say about um, about the two of them is that they. Um, they're doing well, they're doing something right with their kids because their kids are freaking adorable and I love them. But I thought a red flag was I think it was the first episode when she said something like, I like my husband from the neck down. I was like, what the hell? She clarified that that was, that was a joke that fell flat. And I, that was but what was the joke? I don't know that that was the first thing she I don't know. I You're right. I think it's weird. Right? <laughs> I think it's a weird oh thing God. to say. So um, weird. <laughs> another thing that I thought was a little weird to say um, <laughs> is that carbonation hardens your ovaries. <laughs> that That's a claim Forgot that Mary that. said, and that oh apparently she said on camera last year that that's why she doesn't drink <laughs> carbonated water. And then <laughs> yeah, that's right. it came up again this episode, and Lisa's like, is that true? I'm going to Google that. And Mary took great offense. Don't Google. No Googling. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you Google? Mary is so cuckoo, Mandy. Oh, and she's out of her gourd, but she's fascinating to watch. I mean, she could be queen. She could be runner up for queen of the con, if we're being honest, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how that develops. I mean, she's she's one of the strangest human beings I have ever seen on television, but same. It's fascinating to watch. It is. And the reason I think she's so interesting is that you can't guess how she will react in different situations. 
Like, this is a perfect example. They're in this limo, and Lisa says something that I think is a rather benign comment about, like, wow, like, is that true? I should Google that. And Mary just takes it in this way, like, you're undermining me, and you're being, you know, condescending. I just didn't, I mean, I think Lisa is all of those things. Right, but not in that moment. Not in that moment. I was, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, Mary's either trying to create a scene, which is, you know, she's doing her job, or she's just unhinged, which it honestly could be more of that. I think it's more that. I don't think she's as calculating as as Lisa is, for example. And then Lisa, no, right. who I think is very calculating, yeah. is very taken aback by someone reacting differently than how she anticipated. She didn't love that. <laughs> You're good at your impressions. That wasn't that great, that one. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, for the record, she's, she's a good character. Yes. Carbonation does not yes, harden tell your us. ovaries. Um, oh, thank God I can start drinking carbonated drinks again. It, I was so there, worried. There is some research <laughs> out there linking consumption of sugary soda to decreased fertility. But yeah. one, it's you know, could be correlation, not causation. And two, you know, I don't, they don't know what it does that decreases the fertility. You know, it's, it's yeah. not like well, it hardens your ovaries. It's silly. Listen, bottom line is don't drink sugary, don't drink soda because it's really bad for you. Really bad. And like, go drink your Pellegrino and have a good day. That's exactly. coming again from a doctor. Speaking <laughs> speaking of kind of moments, do you think Jenny yeah. was trying to create a moment with Mary when she was angry? She lashed out and then later was like, oh, it's the anniversary of my daughter's death. And that's why I'm lashing out. Like, what do you make of that whole scene? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jenny understands the assignment, as right. they say. And I think it was also real. I mean, she's, she seems like she's a bit of a loose cannon. I like that. I mean, I'm into her for this, for the show. Like I love this. I didn't actually love season one that much. I liked it, but I'm loving this season. Like now that it's settling into itself. And I think Jenny's a great addition. So I like that she knows what to do. I like her weird family. Like I'm into the whole thing. I'm into it too. I really like Salt Lake (laughs) City. I even just like looking at I don't know, the the scenes where they're just showing the mountains. It's, you know, an yes. aesthetic that we don't uh, normally get to see. Exactly. Well, and it's a bit, and someone who despises the cold, I'm even wanting to go there just because I love nature. So I was like, yes, it's so beautiful. I've been to Salt Lake, but it's been a minute. And, it, you know, I know the bitch sesh ladies did a little pilgrimage there. And I was I was having FOMO a bit. I was like, God, I want to go. I want to go. I know. And I don't even like I just don't want to be cold though. Skiing. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> cold. I don't like downhill skiing. I like cross-country skiing, like a true Minnesotan. <laughs> yeah, that's so much work. That's so much exercise. <laughs> it's fun though, especially when you it get is. to see nature and it you, is. Know, you see it's deer like more, and yeah. yeah, yes, totally. So yeah, no, I think it's a great show. I think Actually, all of them are coming into their own. Meredith is engaging, loving it. Lisa's turning out to be, I wasn't sure about Lisa first season. She's turning out to be an excellent housewife. I'm I'm very into her on the show. Uh, Whitney is Whitney. She's fabulous, you know, for what she is. She's she's perfect. Uh, Mary, we talked about Jenny. Am I forgetting anyone? Heather. Oh, Jen Shaw. Heather is great. I was afraid of Heather this season. I was like, oh no, she's going to blow it. We're all going to hate her. We're all right? going to turn on her. No, I love her more. Yeah. 
I thought she's us. I she's was us. going to turn on her for supporting Jen Shaw, but if you listen to her interviews and why she's being supportive, yeah. it really makes it. She's not like I'm. I'm not saying she's innocent. Right. I'm saying I want to support a friend who's going through a really rough time, and I want her to make it right. She's better than me. I would probably drop her like a hot potato, to be honest. It's not like they're best friends from birth. They're new friends. So like, what do you owe this crazy person? And secondly, I was more afraid I was going to hate her for letting the fame go to her head, for letting the, you know, kind of being the number one housewife with the fans. I could just, the reunion was not great for her. And I saw it going in a different direction, but she, she totally course corrected and she's great this season. I love, I mean, what amazing daughter she has. I would die for my daughter to get into UC Santa Barbara. I'm just so jealous. And she, she just seems wonderful and she's funny. She's irreverent. She's just, she's herself. She's herself. Yeah. And I, I think that's what we need is we need housewives who knew, know who they are and who aren't going to let external factors kind of veer them off course so easily. What do you think of Sarah Paulson slash Angie coming in? <laughs> coming I on hot. think while she's beautiful to look at, I think Uh-oh. she's a bit thirsty. And it sounds like she was very desperate to be on the show. And that I don't think makes a good housewife. You know, if you're reading Dave Quinn's book, it's interesting to see who becomes obsessed with being on the show and who it's just like kind of a fun thing for them and they don't take it too seriously. And in that category, I would probably put Giselle and Ashley Darby as just two that come to mind that are enjoying the process of being on the show, but for whom it is not absolutely everything. I mean, I will say it's a great point. And as somebody who produces unscripted television, et cetera, I am so not interested in people who want to do it. It's the right? red flag. If you're yeah. thirsty to do it, you're not going to be good. Oh my God, my life is such a reality show. I'd be so good. That means hell no, you're horrible. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think that Giselle and Ashley are A plus housewives. But I want to, do you believe the um, the caterer story? Do you think that Lisa sabotaged it? I don't. And I know that Heather and Whitney seem to, I, I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as yeah. Whitney is trying to sell it to us. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe there may be something going on nefarious. I think what I do trust Whitney on is that whole scene from last week was a setup. Right, where she had the caterers show up and say, Oh my oh god, my god I that was wild. That Whitney totally Whitney, not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, totally figured it out in real time and called her on it. That was amazing. That I believe, but I don't think, and especially, you know, hearing her be so upset, um, and her explaining like my grandfather was gay, I would never go against an LGBTQ charity event. I just don't think I think she does things behind the scenes. I don't think this was one of those things. I'm sort of like maybe there was a little something like I don't think she fully sabotaged it at all. Right. But maybe there was some type of little passive aggressive text or call like something that threw something into the mix. Maybe not. But yeah. just I don't know. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm right. I just don't. <laughs> it's not the hell you're gonna it, die on. Yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> seem to all make sense to me. Um, let's head okay. over to my neck of the woods, Potomac. Mm, love it. Okay, so probably my favorite. That's probably my favorite <laughs> franchise. It it's my favorite right now. The best. Um, okay, this is an interesting thing. I was wondering to get your take on. Do you think there's any part of Ashley? That's triggered by Mia's husband, G, 
because he reminds her of Michael when Michael's drunk. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, probably. But also just like he's gross when he's drunk. So I think that would trigger anyone. But yes, particularly. Uh, yeah, I think that tracks. Ugh, Michael's so disgusting. I <laughs> I, I can't. I literally can't. That scene with them, with her doing the blindfold in the hotel, I was like, they are trying to make us vomit. I was wondering, could you make it through it? Or were you like picking up your phone, looking the other direction? Yeah, I'm sure I was. <laughs> and I was probably making the... Uh, down the whole time just like or and screaming going no 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 yeah it's it's rough the two why i will i mean i get the daddy issues i get that she has low self-esteem but come on girl you're so gorgeous you're cool you're smart you like you do not need this guy like you (laughs) anyway i can't i don't think she has low self-esteem well, then, then that's, that's – I'm at least giving her that, and she has no reason to stay with him. She needs to stop, and she's great on TikTok. She's so funny. Um, I did a little digging into Michael's I past. Love, how okay. do you not like true crime when you're such a little detective? <laughs> I like I like knowing people's backstories. You like research. <laughs> I like research. I'm such a nerd, but I don't like when it gets into people dying, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Far. Fair enough. But people investing poorly, making, you know, ridiculous yes. oh, I'm decisions. So into that. Did Michael own the Watergate at some point? I think yes. I read that. Oh and she said it in the show. And first right. of all, the water and the, not the Watergate, but the Watergate Hotel. Yeah. Which sorry, is, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> first Are of you all, watching impeachment, by the way? I am not, but oh, okay. I'm gonna go back and watch it once yeah. it's done running. Done. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, and I am always confused by which hotel is the Watergate Hotel, because I know there's a hotel within the Watergate, which is this hotel. But then there's also what was a hotel across the street where they saw the break-in happen yeah. back in 1972. Right. And that, when I was in college, was a George Washington University dorm, a freshman dorm. And you could be in that room. It's not, oh, room, no way. Yeah, it was room six. You were at GW? I went to GW, yeah. Oh, wow. I had and, no idea. And the dorm was called Hova, the hall on Virginia Avenue. And if you got on that sixth <laughs> floor, it was like that was the floor where they witnessed across wow. the street and made that call for the break-in. But this is oh separate. This Watergate Hotel yeah. is a hotel wow. at wow, the Watergate. Wow, wow, wow. So okay. this is interesting. So Michael, this is, yes. this is the most wild thing you're going to hear all day, I think. Michael, okay. And this is all confirmed in the Washington Post in an article from 2011. Whoa. Michael moved to the United States to become okay. a professional skier. <laughs> no. Stop. Wait, have we ever heard of him even skiing, period? No. My God, was he a skier in Australia? Wait, there is no skiing in Australia. Exactly. Wow, he's fucking delusional. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So this this comes back. So I'm dying. So in 1988, he, him, and this one other guy founded Monument Realty, and it was a star of like the Washington's real estate market, only to become a symbol of the bubble bursting when Lehman went bankrupt in 20 uh, 2008. So it went from being a $50 billion company that year to nearly being dissolved. So he had billions and lost it 
overnight wow. um, because all of the acquisitions they made of real estate were made in partnership with Lehman. So when this all happened, he thought of, okay, this is in this article in the Washington Post, of folding up and becoming a ski bum. <laughs> of course he did. Does he come from money? I wasn't able to figure that out okay. from okay. that article. But it was in the business section of the Washington Post written in 2011 okay. about his comeback after losing Got everything. It. So the other guy who was involved in this company left. And then he basically had to take a lot of losses, sell things at a loss. Um, and one of the things was this Watergate Hotel, which was acquired by the bank that he got the loan from. Got it. So yeah, that whole thing was absolutely wild. <laughs> Glad you I went just on this can't, journey with me. <laughs> I'm so happy to know that he wanted to be a professional skier. Now he wants to be a movie producer, which her whole family is laughing at as they should be the white man entitlement. I just can't, you know, know, like if he wants to do it, then it should be possible. I think some of it also goes <laughs> back to, he entered the real estate market in DC at a time when like everything just turned to gold. And so yeah. he thinks by like, it's something about it's him. It's right. It's right. He has the Midas touch. It. Yes. Right. And again, white male entitlement, not just that he stumbled upon, (laughs) you know, this during a time when everyone was making money, you know. So what are your thoughts on just kind of like Potomac in general? It's going to be the season finale next week. Oh, my God. How did that happen? It's gone by so fast. I really feel like it flew by. I thought it was a fantastic season. I mean, it hasn't it hasn't missed yet. It's fantastic. Um, Mia was a great addition. She brought tons of drama, great storyline, interesting family. Uh, you know, Candace is unhinged. She's insane. She's not a great person, but she's great TV. Her relationship with Chris is hanging by a thread in my opinion, (laughs) but like, I, I mean, my husband would literally kick me to the curb if I tried to pull one of her antics. Like, I think it's going to wear thin. Like, I think Chris is basically a normal person. Uh, maybe not if he's with Candace, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He seems like a fairly normal person. I just, especially if they're not going to have kids, I just don't see him hanging around. I really don't. And it makes me sad because I do think Candace has redeeming qualities. And I think that like in her best self, I actually like her, but she's got this really dark side. And I think it's from her mom. Who's a, seems like a horrible person. Um, But I don't see her changing. And I worry about, their marriage. Giselle's amazing. Check. Robin, I love. Robin doesn't have to say a word. Just like sit there with her period cramps. I just love her. Love her. Love her. <laughs> with her fibroids. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I'm with you. She does. She doesn't need a storyline. Keep her around. She's adorable. Um, and Karen is my favorite housewife of all the housewives and all the franchises. Same. So the thank you. So the grand um will just continue to deliver. And she's, she's priceless. She's literally priceless. I love her so much. And I'm glad that they kind of dropped the feud with her and Giselle. That was getting a little old. Right? I mean, I like yeah. when they feud, but only because it seems like they are real friends. Yeah. It Ish. just was like took a little too... It went too frenemies. It went too Which is nasty. fine. Exactly. Like, I like the playful... Like, I like when you see Karen coming in doing her shtick and they pant to Giselle and she's just standing there with no expression on her face. Like, that's... Like, she's not humored at all. That, to me, is, like, all you need. 
that just says it all, you know? So I'm here for that, but don't make it more of a thing. Their dynamic is so funny. What I (laughs) I really, really want though next season is Giselle to be more vulnerable and to actually open up about what went on in her marriage and how that's impacted her relationships with men moving forward and actually maybe try dating and letting us in. Like show us more of you because she's a great housewife by getting in everyone else's mess, but we don't really get to see her mess. Even when her and Sherman broke up, we didn't, she still didn't really tell us what was going on and how it made her feel. I feel like you're, you're planting the seeds that they're planting now for, for next season, Giselle, because her daughters are already saying what you're saying. They're just like, mom, you have, and you could tell it's really hard for her. She's so invested in being, you know, stoic and perfect. And she's just not somebody who's obviously grew up talking about her feelings, who's comfortable with being vulnerable. Um, it would be great to see her break open a bit. And I, I think, it, I mean, we need to see your therapist storyline, obviously, where she's opening up. Um, I agree about the dating, uh, Yeah, I think that that's her daughters make her human. Her daughters Mm -hmm. are incredible. And again, she's mostly raising them. So it says so much to me about who she is, that she has such wonderful daughters. Yes. But I agree. We need to we need to see more. And I think that will like we talked about earlier, that will deepen the show and her storyline, because um, there's only so much shit stirring you can do. I mean, that's the funniest part. It's like she has really ultimately the worst relationship and looking with Jamal, that whole thing is so bad. And yet she's the one throwing shots. And it's like, sweetie, what? You know, your husband cheated on you unabashedly, has like 10 other children. You got back together with him. He still had another child. Like your side of the street is messier than anyone's. Yeah, no, totally. I I 100% agree. And she seems like an incredible mom. Those girls may be the most grounded children I have seen on any reality show. The <laughs> the poise that they have. I just, I'm, I'm in awe of these girls. They're amazing. And the oldest one was the older one driving that, that whole storyline was hilarious. (laughs) I know. I I think everyone that's ever gone through that with a parent (laughs) or gone through that with a child, like knows what it's like. I went through, maybe I failed twice. My, not my, permit test but the one with your actual driving test yeah they make you do all these like crazy things and uh, like a backwards like you know three like four point turn three point turn whatever it is that was hard yeah no driving's listen it should be harder to get a license as far as i'm concerned it was when I- <laughs> <laughs> you're like, listen, I, I, I failed five times. It wasn't easy. It was yeah. I probably should have failed somehow. I made it through, but yeah, like I I'm terrified. My daughter's 14 and she's still like talking now about like, can I, can I go out now? And you know, I was like, Oh God, you can't even clean your room. <laughs> Like <laughs> How are we going to drive? It's such a rite of passage, though, like both yes. as a child and as a parent to get through A hundred percent. And it's a housewife trope. We saw it with Shannon. Remember that? That was hilarious back in the day. Oh, my God. Um, I know there's been others. So I always I always look forward to it because it's always real, right? It's one thing that's like, you know, is going to be a hundred percent real. Right. Um, OK, speaking of a hundred percent real, let's go to Beverly <laughs> yes. Hills. Do you think Erica interesting transition? Was keeping it real? 
100%. Oh my God. I have like too many emotions and thoughts about this that I don't even know how to organize them and articulate them. So, because I kind of still like, I've, I've had my feelings about it the whole time. And no matter, you know, I kind of get twisted and turned with, with every new part of the reunion and things that you read, but I think I'm kind of end up in the same place. And I've, I listen to your podcast. I know your position on this. I think you're a little bit more forgiving of her than I am, but I'm kind of on the same page in that, like, I don't think that she knew the whole time that he was doing this. I do think she knew the last few years. I do also believe what she said last night, which is that when she would go to him, he would say, Oh, don't worry about it. I got it covered, you know, but she's really smart. She's going to probe into why she's being, why she's listed on these lawsuits. Like she's not going to just take his word for it at a certain point. So I think I've, I've said this before, another podcast, and I'll reiterate what I think went down. I think that it got to a point finally where he sat her down and said, it's really bad. You need to jump ship. You need to divorce me. So you're not on the hook for this stuff. You can trash me use the incompetence, you know, use the, the dementia thing, whatever you need to do, get out now, file for divorce. So I think that's what happened. And I think the problem is he did keep calling her every day and feeding her stuff. And the lawyers are feeding her stuff, which is why she can't get her story straight ever from, you know, sometimes within the same episode. I mean, it's so funny that she's like, I'm not a liar. And that's her thing, which is so typical of what liars do. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. literally all she does is lie. And I don't think she can keep her story straight. I think she's dug herself into so many holes. I don't think she's, I think Tom's a psychopath. I don't think Eric is a psychopath, but I think that she's not a good person. I think she, the fact that like last night made me see, last night was the reunion part three. Last night made me see that she really doesn't get it. Like she doesn't get that. Cause I was willing to give her it all. I was only to say she had no idea. She was blindsided. Tom was abusive, all of it. But when she started posting that stuff on social media in the, you know, negligee and all of that, I was like, and the fact that she's still defending it and really doesn't see how that's such a slap in the face to the victims. That is so disturbing at a level that it's unfair to me. It's unforgivable. Nothing she can say or do unless I will do a caveat, unless she literally gives every last penny she has to the victims Nothing she does can earn back her respect for me. She is bad, 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 because ultimately she is a victim, even though she says I'm not a victim. She's 100% a victim. She showed it again last night. And I don't really believe she cares about anyone else but herself. I'm sorry. Yeah. Except Tom. I actually think she cares about Tom. Now, whether that's from brainwashing, coercive control, or just, you know, daddy figure, you helped me make it when I, you know, when my dream came true and I owe everything to you. I do think she really cares about Tom. The fact that she can say till this day that we still don't know what happened. None of this might be true. Like, I don't think that's a legal thing. I think that's really that she can't believe that Tom would ever do that. Like she really, she put so much faith and trust and respect in this man, you know, in his intellect, in his lawyering abilities, in his ability to take care of her and the way that he treated her son. I just think she's still in awe of him, which is really kind of incredible. And rant. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the only thing I'll disagree with you on is I think he has diminished capacity. I believe that, but that did he real. a year ago? Did he? I believe like, he Did you hear the Jay Adelson calls, though? Like, did you hear those I, voice memos? I think you can go back and forth. I think it is 
when, and I don't know about Alzheimer's that much. I just know that it it is sometimes a slower progression. And sometimes you're in like a loop of retelling old stories. And sometimes you're like lucid again. And it's, you know, when, when I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I and think I, he is probably is diminished capacity and maybe has been for a few years, but he hasn't been for 30 years. Maybe. Exactly. And now so she knows I, that. I think he started all the scheming a long time ago. And when I, this is my belief, I don't know what I have to base it on just watching the stupid TV show. <laughs> when his capacity started to diminish, he s- started being bad about covering his tracks. There you and go. That's how it all came out. And now okay. when she's truly angry, how can you be angry at someone that no longer is there? And I feel like that's what she was trying to say last night. I think she should still be angry, but she's not taking it out on the person that did it to her. Maybe because she can't, she doesn't see that person anymore in who he is, but it's really, she has such displaced anger and she takes it out on anyone that has audacity to question her that's right she is so nasty and mean um i believe she has the same tendencies the same sort of like shark-like predatory almost behavior that tom did and i bet she had a little bit of it before she met him and i bet it grew as she was with him, she witnessed how he treated other people, and she mimicked that behavior. And she tries to terrify people into silence. A hundred percent. She came on my podcast, my old podcast, um, a few years ago, and she said, I am Tom's best student. And I think you're a hundred percent right. She learned from the master because the way she speaks is ridiculous. It's so disrespectful. It's so gross. But the other thing that I wanted to say, how do, this is where I wonder if part four, we'll get into this. Cause this is like, how do we square this? Okay. On the one hand, she's saying, where is his family? Where is everybody? Right. Uh, honey, you left. You're his you family. Left. Right. So, so where's that explanation? I want that explanation. I had to go. I dropped him off. I haven't spoken to him since. Why not? Why not? Right. We know why not. Right. We know he said we're not allowed to speak anymore. It's why she flipped out on Garcelle when Garcelle, I'm going to said, I'm going to share that you said Tom called you. That meltdown was because she saw her whole legal case blowing up in her face. That's why that and probably she knew the L.A. Times article was breaking is why she left early from Palm Springs. But that's the thing. Be honest about that. Why is nobody calling her out on that? So where is everybody? Where are you? You support you're married to the guy for 22 years. You leave him at his worst hour. Why Mm -hmm. not just say I had to, I had to extricate myself legally and I had no choice. Believe me, I would love to be there every day holding his hand. That's what I love him, but I can't do it legally, but there's no, she's given no explanation for this. And we're also just supposed to accept it. Makes me mental. What also makes me mental is that she keeps using the term allegedly and we don't know. And the Bravo docket came out and said, no, there has been legal judgments rendered that has proven that he did not pay in in two, at least two of these cases that Lion Air Crash won. And um, the, is it Rue Gomez? case yeah, with, with the PNC yeah. um, or PNG gas, like with the explosion. Yeah. So yeah. that has been proven. So there is no more allegedly. So stop using the, I, exactly. the phrase allegedly so that you're making it so that people are afraid to say 
the truth, which is that courts have found that Tom Girardi <laughs> stole from clients. He basically admitted it. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's the other thing in these depositions. He's like, yeah, you know, I have no nothing left. Like, he's not like, I didn't do this. He never denies doing it. Right. It's insane. Even her saying allegedly about him flipping the car, like what? It's just the fact that she purports to be the most truthful person and why she's clearly lying to us on a regular basis makes my head explode. It's so frustrating. She also just won't say she won't answer yes and no questions. Yes I or know. no. And that's obviously due to being prepped from her lawyers. <laughs> but it's it's just all of it is so yucky. And I don't get why they're still so afraid to call a spade a spade with her. Like she is back. Why are the they wall. so afraid? I know she has nothing to offer them to call the L.A. Times a hit piece. I mean, this is a well-researched, like thorough legal and journalistic investigation that took five to six weeks to even put that together. I mean, come well, on. That's very Trumpian. You know, that's very right. narcissistic. Exactly. Wound. Yeah. She has just a pro- Trump-like thing. Like if you say time. it enough, fake news, fake news, fake news, Absolutely. then it becomes reality. And if she says alleged enough, then everyone else starts to use the term alleged. But it's not alleged. He stole the money. And do we know if that exact money made her way into her bank account or her LLC? That's maybe where we don't have a legal judgment yet. Right. But we do know that because he transferred $20 million to her account. He did. We just don't know. (laughs) I I don't know all the forensics of it. So I'm I'm waiting to see more of that and like whether or not she knew. Who knows? But at this point, I don't think it matters. What matters is people haven't gotten the money that they need to get. She got money she didn't deserve. And she needs to make it right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I... I thought there would come a point. I, I thought I would never get sick of the story and that I would live and breathe the story till the day I die and be forever fascinated by it. I actually think I'm getting tired and I think I'm ready to move on because really I, we know what happened and whether we'll, we'll probably never fill in those blanks that we want. And really like, I don't care. And to be honest, Mandy, I can't believe I'm saying this, but if she didn't come, I know she's coming back, but if she didn't even come back next season, I wouldn't miss her. Like I'm, I think I'm done. I want to see <laughs> someone challenge her. That's not just Sutton. I want to see more do you challenge. Think, do you think Crystal will? I think Crystal started to. She was the one who was like, where is your anger? Yeah. That was like, that my was angry cool. enough for you. <laughs> that, okay, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ryan Bailey does it holding. Am I, I angry know. enough for you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so when funny. they talked about the red lingerie, the, at Tom's oh, yes. firm. I was like, Ryan owns that. Ryan, I can't believe Ryan, first of all, I can't believe he bid on that. And then he Amazing. posts it with like it on his head and like He's around hilarious. His He's so He's funny. so funny. He's so funny. I just did his podcast uh, the other day. He's he's a riot. He is so I love funny. his recaps. His recaps are amazing. Because he hates, Lisa, he hates Lisa Rinna as much as I do. I have a rage that goes deep for her, which is just a few last few years. I used to like her early on. I and I just can't, too. that cat that you know and the way she stood by erica like i really despise her now like i've turned on her so hard for me it's like she's no longer fun to watch for me because totally no longer every she's so obsessed with the show she see that's what makes it less fun is that this is all she has 
There is no other stuff going on in her life. When she first started, she was having all these brand deals and going on QVC and there yeah. was other things happening. <laughs> I know. Remember that season after Yolanda where she was was not even on the show? She was like, yeah, sorry, I can't be there. Like she totally checked out. Right. She's like, I need a breather. And then we're like, uh, how are you getting paid to do the show? You're literally never there. Now she's, yeah, but the way... I still do not understand why she's standing by Erica the way she is. She was so quick to throw Denise and Garcelle, both people she's known way longer under the bus for nothing. Why is she doing this? What do you think the reason is? I think she's not a loyal person. She doesn't care. No, I don't think she's loyal, but (laughs) I think Denise and Garcelle never confided in Lisa. And I think Erica has. And so has she though? "Mm, I'm she if she's like, tell me the truth or tell me all you can and I will defend you. But because that yeah, was the thing maybe. she said to Denise last time. She was like, Denise, tell yes. me and I will protect you. But Denise didn't trust her. Okay. Rightly so. And didn't yeah. give her that because I think she likes to feel control by having as much information. And when she's not given that information, she gets angry. She lacks that control and lashes out. Oh my God, this is so brilliant. Thank you. This is, I've been, I've been trying to understand this forever. That's such a great take. Brilliant. I think that's right. it, but I, Bravo. I don't know. That makes total sense. Either that or they like share some business manager and it's all super shady, but right. who but knows? I, I think there is something there. Yeah. That makes sense. That actually, I can get my arms around that. Okay. All right. I know that you stayed up late watching Winter House last night. (laughs) Got to get your thoughts. Do you like the format? Like from your view as someone who produces TV, like what is your thought? Like especially the format of taking people from two different shows, combining them and adding in some new people. Yes. I'm into a mashup. Totally. The new people are a little awkward. I don't know that I need them so far. None of them are really working for me. I have to confess, I don't watch Southern Charm. So but I'm in the universe enough to kind of know Craig and Austin. So I feel like I know them, but I'm kind of like into it because I don't know them that well. So it's a little bit of fresh eyes. I'm like, why is everyone into Austin? I don't get it. Um, But I love a mashup. Like I'm here for the girls trip coming up. I think it's great. I happen to be a massive summer house fan. I know you are too. Can't explain it. There's really no way to explain it because it's ridiculous, but I absolutely love it. And it's totally the same vibes, colder. Um, I just think it's so much fun to watch. Like I find it just like mindless entertainment. It's so fun. I think it's because it goes back (laughs) to this, like the show isn't everything for them. They all have jobs. They all have things that they do. Yeah. Even Paige is like this brand ambassador. Like her whole job (laughs) is being an influencer. Fine. But like the rest of them, they all have actual jobs that they do. And so I find that really compelling and interesting. You know, Lindsay, like, yeah, she's a reality star, but she's working her ass off on PR. Oh, my God. Lindsay is just, she's such a good reality star, Mandy. Her last night with Austin, I'm just dying. I was like, (laughs) she literally was throwing it all out there, and he was ran for the hills. Did you see her (laughs) when she was in the audience at Watch What Happens Live? Yeah, I watched the beginning of it. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Oh, my God. She but has no shame. She, she doesn't have shame. And I, I appreciate right. that. <laughs> Me too. That's why she's such a great reality star. Will, will Lindsay ever find love? I don't <laughs> That's the million dollar know. question. I think she will. And I think she will get married. And I think she will have a kid. 
I don't know if it can last because right. she is such a, I don't know, the kind of person that just lashes out very easily. Yeah. And I don't and know. And she needs chaos. She swirls in chaos. So I feel like, I feel like if her and Austin were to get together, that that could be both a perfect and a terrible matchup because they are both so, they're like the same. Right. You know? I mean, I don't know that much, but he seems like a glutton for punishment. He is. Always in chaos. Yeah. And he, so is she. He stays with people and he lets them manipulate him. And then yeah. he manipulates others. I mean, he has been manipulated by this Madison person. <laughs> right. It sounds. And she makes it look like her hands are clean, but she right. sends him texts. She's gaslighting him. All of his friends can't stand her for a reason because they right. know the background. And then he goes and he says, all of this, you know, sweet nothings to Lindsay this year. My goal is to date you. You know, I'm, you know, I love you. We're so close. <laughs> Confiding his deepest, darkest secrets to this woman. And then, of course, she thinks that, okay, now we're finally both single. I can't wait for you to get here, Lindsay. And then uh, she shows up and he's acting like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was cringe. It was cringy seeing her say she was in love with him. And he's like, see you later, honey. But this has happened with her a lot where she I has know. a best guy friend. Carl. And they, Carl. Although Carl didn't pretend there was nothing there. He liked her too. He just Right. And then she went bananas. I was kind of rooting. Yeah. I was rooting for them. I really have. I love Carl. I know he's not on. I know you're a Luke fan. I'm a huge uh, Luke fan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so what? Do you, what's going to happen? Is, with, he's going to get together with Julia? What's happening with him this season? I don't know. Um, it's interesting that he said that he doesn't notice when women are into him bullshit i i believe that slightly but not entirely but i do believe I that it. he sometimes like doesn't get the i don't know he is like personality aside he is staggeringly handsome like He's he beautiful. is a specimen of a man like he I'm saying is. that my luckily my husband's not home but like because <laughs> I, I can say it loud and proud without him being like what he is just like, is there a hotter guy on TV? Like not even Bravo, like on television. He's beautiful. I think he also, well, I think Juan Dixon is also absolutely he's gorgeous. He's losing it for me though. I felt I that way about Juan. It, I don't know if it's his personality, it's personality or he's losing his looks. How he's yeah. treating Robin, how he's right? with Michael Darby. Like yeah. those things make it less attractive. Like two years ago, I was like, he was smoldering to me. And now right. I'm like, eh. But Luke He's just, I mean, he's, he's like chiseled. charming to me because he, he actually is. showed up at this winter house expecting to do winter activities. And the rest of them are just it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> I know he's such a mountain man. <laughs> he's such, but the best, I'm so he glad he it. represents Minnesota so well when he was like, oh, he this does. is a beard teeny. And I forgot who was there. It was a Gabby or someone was like, oh, so it's just beer with olives <laughs> in it. And he's like, uh, <laughs> but like that is a thing in Minnesota. Hilarious. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, I don't. I know you're from Minnesota. Like I, yeah, I don't know that much, but he definitely has that sort of Midwestern, you know, vibe. I, I love it. I, Kyle, Kyle's the gift that keeps on giving. Incredible reality television character. I, I love it. I love it. Do you love it? I absolutely love it. And <laughs> what's so fun now is to watch Paige and Craig's interactions because you know right? that in real time they're together and that, you know, the friendship was building back then. So do we know if that they consummate it before the end of the season? Like, do we know how that plays no, I, out? I don't think. Uh, he, 
from what watching Craig on TV for many years in a row, he has never cheated on anyone. And I don't oh. think he would ever do wow. that. Um, yeah, he's like, when it comes to relationships, he seems to have very clear morals. And um, that's I like also that for why he gets frustrated sometimes with other people who cheat. He feels like it's a really horrible, horrible thing. And he will call people out on it. So... Wow. Do you yeah. think him and Paige are going to go the distance? I do. <gasps> this is so exciting. It makes sense because they're both very similar in that. I mean, she joked on her Instagram this week that they're both narcissists and like how they look. <laughs> um, you know, they both want to be reality stars. They both right. want to make, you know, money in this space. And I yeah. think they genuinely enjoy each other's company. So, so he doesn't have a real job outside of TV? He... His long story. So he went to law school. Oh, he right. He's a lawyer. The bar. He, but, but now he has a law firm and he has a business that he started making these pillows and it actually is doing pillows. really, really well. Yeah. He got pillows. into sewing. Stop. I'm not Oh, kidding. they did joke. They did joke about like, did you bring your sewing machine? I was like, this is, these are the gaps as somebody who doesn't want Southern charm He's that I don't very understand. very into sewing. That's my favorite thing about That's him. That's cute. And he started this thing, Sewing Down South, and they make these embroidered pillows. <laughs> oh God, and stop. I know people that own them and they love them. Oh my and gosh. And he, he show, goes up and down the East Coast selling them. He's been to the DC area. <laughs> I know people who've gone. What? He'll wait and he'll sell these pillows to Every single person that walks in the I'm door. I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> and this his, is, and she's into clothes and fat. Like I see yeah, that. I see it. I just see yeah. it more than I've ever seen a Bravo couple. Ooh. Ever. Wow. That's have huge. we ever had two people who started off as reality stars and then met and then That's a really good question. I, I'd have to rack my brain. Brandon Alvarado. He, do you know Brandon? Yeah, He's like an encyclopedia. I'll have to ask him. He'll, he'll be able to rattle it off like that. And listeners, and not, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank not you. off the top of my head, but I would love to know. Because people go on a show together as a couple. Right. right? Like Amanda and Kaya. Although no, well, Amanda and Kaya no, met on the show. They met before the show, but they became a couple oh. on the show. Okay. The first okay. season of Summer House, she was just hooking up with him and looked kind of desperate and weird. And then right. they kind of came together. So right. I don't know if we've ever seen. And then, you know, two relatively popular Bravo stars from different franchises yes. coming together. Amazing. So. I just want to say one thing about Gabby, the new girl. Yes. I, I'm not into her vibe. So far, she seems bitchy to me. I don't know. I don't get a good vibe from her. I don't either. And I think it's, I just, I don't know what it is, but me her neither. and the camera, I know she's a model, but her and the camera <laughs> right. do not seem to, <laughs> like, I think she's a good two-dimensional model. Like, I think she'd be good in photography, but with yeah, it's like a gap camera, ad. it's like yeah. not showing a warmth or a personality. And it's, that's Agree. ringing bizarre to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm with and you she on doesn't that. seem like she's that close with who's the blonde girl. Julia, Julia. Yeah, like they barely know it's each like, other. <laughs> yeah, they're acting like they're not that close. And she's like jealous or mad at Julia. Or I don't know. The whole thing is weird to me. But I, Julia is someone who seems like she should have been on reality TV. And I think anyone who modeled for Limited 2 back in the <laughs> 90s would be early 2000s. Perfect reality stars. <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. That's so true. Well, yeah, it's a good cast. <laughs> It is. Aliza, thank you so much for joining. Let everyone know where they can find you, where they can listen to the new podcast. 
Yes. So I will plug real quickly that I have three podcasts on Audible. If you're an Audible subscriber, you can become one very cheaply. Uh, one is called Bitter Blood, Kasem versus Kasem. First Wife, which is the story of John Meehan from Dirty John's first wife, who was married to him for 10 years and had two daughters with him. And the third one is called The Murder of Robert Wan, which is an insane case that happened in your backyard in DuPont Circle in 2006. It's a wild story. I'll just leave it there. People can listen. And then, of course, Queen of the Calm, which is dropping now everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Reality Aliza, A-L-I-Z-A, or on Twitter, but I don't do much on Twitter, at Reality Real. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to have you you. on again because this producer angle is always helpful to to hear, (laughs) you know, the background of like what you think is really going on. Yeah. But again, I don't know that I know anything more than you do. It's just, you know, (laughs) I have maybe a little more insight, but it's it's fun to speculate and talk about it for sure. Yeah. We play armchair psychologist. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you've given me a lot to chew on today too, Mandy. So I appreciate it. Thanks. (laughs) 